Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger with this week's message from Story Point Church. Hello. My name is Brent. I'm the family pastor here. For those that don't know me, Pastor Jeff's out of town, so I'll be filling in for the day. So, what's in the ask? That's the title of today's message, what I want us to think through and process. So today, I want to start with the end. I want to start with what I want you to leave with. When you leave today, my heart and my prayer is that you, through the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within you as a Christ follower, is eagerly desiring more of Him in your heart and in your life, and that you are specifically asking for that. That's the reason for Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, for your live and share verse. So you got Paul writing to this church of Ephesus. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this later in the service, but Paul's writing to this church and says, I am constantly praying and asking for God to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you'll have full knowledge of me, full knowledge of Him, and that you'll open the eyes of your heart So the Holy Spirit of God can move and direct you and give you more of Him. And so today, if you would, take your Bibles, open them up to James chapter 3 and chapter 4. We're going to camp there in just a little while. Go ahead and put your finger there. We've got a lot, a lot, a lot of Scripture verses to go through today. And I've kind of wrestled with that. I don't like going through tons and tons and tons of Scripture verses. I like taking a small section of Scripture and really dissecting it, thinking about it long term. But with the topic of today being what is the ask, what is it that you're asking God, I think we need to look at a large section of Scripture to see if there's even a basis for us to be asking questions, asking things of God. So as I study the Scripture, I look in James. James is one of my favorite books in the Bible. When I look at James chapter 4, verse 2, James says, You have not because you ask not. Now, I don't know if that stirs anything in you or if that questions... Questions pop to mind when you say that, but I think about that, and that kind of hits me hard. I have not because I ask not. Wait a minute, God, don't you know my thoughts? Don't you know my rising in the morning and when I lay my head down? Don't you sing over me as I sleep? Doesn't the Holy Spirit of God utter in a language I can't even understand to the throne with groans and moans and things of that nature when I don't even have words to cry out? Yet specifically in Scripture, you say you have not because you ask not. What is it that I'm not asking? And so the end is today, Ephesians chapter 1, 17, that I hope you take that verse, and that is a prayer that you are praying over your life every single day. Every single day. I pray that your heart is in tune with God in such a way that you're craving and desiring more of the Holy Spirit of God, more of His wisdom, more of His revelation, more of full understanding of Him, more knowledge, more grasping the enormity of who God is. But as I tell the teenagers on a regular basis, God loves you so much that if you don't ask for it, He may not give it to you. So if you don't desire more of God, guess what? Even though He desires more of you, I wonder if He's going to give you more of Him if we're not pursuing and asking for more. So I think all of us fall into three areas, three categories in life when it comes to the question of, do I not have because I've not asked, as James said it. 
And I think all of us have been in probably all of these three categories at some point in our life. And all of us are in one of these three categories today. The first category is, I'm simply not asking. And we're going to look into the question marks of why we do not ask for more of God. The second category is we are asking, but we're asking with our motives, our agenda in mind, instead of the motives and agendas of God. And the third category is that we're all, we are asking of God, and we're asking in tune with the Holy Spirit of God and the Spirit that dwells within me. We want our ask to be in tune with what God wants. And that's where we should be. So today's topic is not a heaven or hell issue. If you've said yes to Jesus, let's clarify a few things. You have the Spirit of the living God dwelling within you. A guaranteed, a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you. And so the question that I have for all of us are, what are we doing? Are we asking of God immeasurably more than I can see and comprehend? Do we want more? So let me share with you a little bit about why I'm at this point in my life. About a year and a half ago, I was having a conversation with God. Matter of fact, right back there in front of the sound booth during a communion service. At the end of the service, we had communion, had the Lord's Supper. And I had a conversation with God. And I knew some things were going on in my life internally that I needed to deal with. I didn't know what they were. I just knew something was going on and I needed some healing from God. So I asked God in the moment at the end of the communion, you know, where you're taking the cup and you're taking the bread and you're reflecting, making sure your heart's right before you take this communion. And I was reflecting, I took communion, I felt like I needed to give God permission to rock my world, to crush my heart, to take this dry, barren, sediment-covered heart and crush it. And in the back, I actually did that. I asked God, I gave him permission. Not that we have to give God permission, but for me, I needed to do that. And from that point on, I started a journey. A journey of exploration, of answering and asking more God-centered questions. One of the things I tell teenagers all all the time is ask God questions. Ask right questions. Because if you ask a wrong question, you're going to get a wrong answer. If you ask a God-centered, God-directed question, he's going to give you a God-centered, God-directed answer if your heart's pure, trying to be in tune with what he wants for your life. And so I started this process of praying, and I'm praying every single day, God, give me clean hands, pure heart, and a resolute spirit. Part of the example that David gave us in some of the Psalms. Praying this every single day. And a little over a year ago, I was reading, a, a, reading some mini biographies about some who we would consider mothers and fathers of the faith back in the 18 and 1900s. And over and over and over as I was reading in, about each of these individuals, I noticed something that was unique about them in comparison to me, but it was pretty incredible. Was they were moving in power, Holy Spirit power, God-ordained power, I don't know what it was. There was just something different about their ministry. It was at what we would say a whole nother level. And I said, God, I, I want my ministry, I want my obedience to you to be that level. I don't know what they got, but there was just some added blessing, anointing by God on their heart and in their life. And I said, God, what is that? What is that? What is that? And it wasn't they were all doing the same thing. It was different people, different times, different stories, different ways they were being used. But all of them was just going into a whole other level. And I said, God, I want a whole other level. I want that. I don't even know what they got. I just want it. You ever been there? 
And so I started with one of the most simplistic prayers, and I think God loves our simple prayers. I think we're fooled by the evil one to thinking that my prayer has to be eloquent. It has to be long. It has to be written out. It has to be deep and detailed. And there's nothing wrong with those prayers at all. But I think God also loves and honors our simple prayers. And our simple prayer for me, that simple prayer was, God, I want more. It was it. I don't even know what I'm asking. I told him that. I said, I don't even know what I'm asking you. All I'm saying is I want more. Sign me up. Put it down in writing. Let me sign my name by the X. I want more. And so it started a pursuit of daily praying that prayer. God, I want more. God, I want more. God, I want more. God, I want more. And step by step and step, more has come. And it's amazing. And my relationship with God is at a level that I couldn't even see or comprehend at that time. So it's the intentionality of the ask. What is it that we're asking? So today, I want to take some time and review each of these three categories, spend a little bit of time in them. And I told you a minute ago, I have a ton of scripture, and I'm sorry for that. But I think, especially for that first category, for those who do not ask, if you're not asking, that's where you're at today, this is so vital for you. I want to point to you in scripture numerous examples, Old Testament and New Testament, where we are instructed to ask. So before we look at the scriptures, let me ask the question, why are we not asking? Why is it that we don't ask? Is it fear? It could be fear. It could be, I've asked before and God didn't answer, therefore he's not going to answer this time, right? Or it could be, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of asking the King of kings and the Lord of lords for everything. Who am I? God's so big, I'm so small, I... My life is insignificant. He can't use me. He wouldn't use me. Who am I that the God of the universe would even address me if I spent time praying with him? Let's address that for just a moment because that is a lie straight from the evil one. If you have ever said yes to Jesus Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit of God within you. And as a result, you have been adopted into the kingship queenship you're a child of the king of kings and the lord of lords you have a crown upon your head and you are worthy you are adored you are loved you are set apart if you've ever said yes to jesus that holy spirit of god that dwells within you is that anointing he is that guarantee of what's to come life everlasting with him but it's also for the here and now it's not just for something that happens after we go to heaven After we die, we get to go spend time with Jesus. Yes, that's part of it. But it's for the here and for the now. It's for right here, for right now. So when the evil one tells you, don't even ask God for anything because you're not worthy, it's a lie. The evil one does not want you to ask because he knows if you ask, God's going to answer in one way or another. It may not be the way that we're expecting. We're going to talk about that. But God will answer. And I'm going to back that up with Scripture in just a moment. So don't just take my word for it, okay? So if you're in that category of, I am just simply not asking God for whatever reason. My history, my life, my past condemnations, all the problems in my life, he's not done it before. Whatever your, whatever your reason is, I want to show you some scripture of where we're supposed to ask. We're going to go very fast, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Write these scriptures down. You're not going to be able to turn back and forth to them, so write the scripture down. I'm going to read them to you. But write it down so you can go back a little bit later and look at the context and make sure that I'm telling you what the Bible actually says, okay? Let's do that together. 
So the first category are for those who do not ask. Let's look at some of the words of Jesus specifically to begin with. Several references of Jesus actually talking to us about the ask. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Just write that down. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. I'm going to read this to you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. Write that one down. John 15, 7 and 8. Jesus said, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now keep in mind as we're reading these, these are not open-ended yes that you can get anything that you want. All right? This is not God's my little genie in a bottle that I rub and whatever I ask. That's not what it's saying. Look at the context of what he's saying here. Ask It will be done, but it's to the Father's glory so that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Jesus, again, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, this next verse we all know. We use this quite often. Verse 20 says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be with them. And we use that in church all the time. If there's two or three here, then the Holy Spirit of God's here, that God's dwelling with us. We use that. But look at the context of what it's written. Just before it says, If the two or three of you agree on anything, it will be done for them if you ask by my Father in heaven. What a promise that is. Look at Matthew chapter 21, verse 21 and 22. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what has been done to this fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself to the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now these are just some examples of Jesus. There's more in here. I want you to get the the gist of this. There's something about the ask. Something about the intentionality of the ask. Something about the heartbeat behind the ask. Because it's not just simply an ask. It's asking with the right perspective. Asking with God's intent in mind. You can see that as we look in the scriptures. But you should be asking. If you're not at a place right now in your life where you're asking God, my hope and my prayer is that that will change. Let's look at some other examples in scripture. Jeremiah. Actually, let's look at John first. The gospel... John the Apostle, in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. This is what John the Apostle said. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that He will have what we asked for Him. Jeremiah 33, 2 and 3. Old Testament prophet Jeremiah says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it. And Jehovah, 
Yahweh is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. James, the brother of Jesus, James chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. See where we're going with this? Paul, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Let's pause there for just a moment. How many of us have stopped praying because God did not answer our prayer in a way that we perceived, understood, or wanted Him to answer after just one prayer? Here is an example in Scripture of Paul who's setting an example for us that some things we need to pray constantly for. He is praying for this church constantly. What is he praying? It's the same prayer that we as a church should be praying for each other and over ourselves. Let's examine what he says here. He says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Let's pause there for just a second. Continually asking God, praying more than one time, praying constantly without ceasing, always focusing on God, asking him to do what? Fill us with what? Knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding. And it comes from where? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. So we're asking God to reveal through us, through the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us, wisdom, knowledge, understanding. Verse 10, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. So there's a reason that God's given us these things. It's the reason that we're asking for these things. We're asking for wisdom and understanding and knowledge so that we can bear fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God. It's to make an outward expression of what God's done internally. It's to change the world for Him. So it's the heart behind the ask as well. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Just a couple of more for this section. You remember the story of Solomon. Solomon in the Old Testament had a specific prayer that was answered to him. What was that thing, what was that topic that he asked God for? God said, I will give you anything in all creation that you want. Name it and it's yours. And his answer was wisdom. This is God's response to his asking for wisdom. 1 Kings chapter 3 Verse 10 through 12. The Lord was pleased with Solomon for what he had asked for. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, and not for asked for the death of your enemies or for discernment, uh, but for discernment and justing, administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you nor will there ever be. Never has been and never will be because of the wisdom. So we look at Solomon, we say he's the wisest person that's ever lived, the wisest man that ever lived. Let me ask you this. How many of you would sign up and say, I'll take number two on that spot? Are we praying and asking out of the purity of our heart? God, I want wisdom. And I may not be as wise as Solomon because you said he's the wisest person to ever live and ever would live, but you please sign me up for number two on that. 
Why? So that I can administer justice. Why? So I can stand up for the things of Christ. Why? So I can influence my family, my friends, my relatives, my job, my location, my world. So the world will be changed because of the wisdom of the Holy Spirit of God dwells within me so that I can impact others. It's not self-seeking. God said in that very verse, I'm honoring that prayer because your prayer was not about you. It was about others. Your prayer was not for fame and fortune and wealth and death to all the people that doesn't like me. How many times do you pray for death for all the people that doesn't like me? Oh my goodness. Or oh, not death, but I pray bad things happen on there because they were mean to me. Come on, we know that's the truth. Or God, I want more stuff. Give me more stuff. Give me more stuff. And we're asking with impure heart, impure motives. God says, I honored your prayer, Solomon, because of the purity of your heart. Because of what it was that you wanted. You wanted my wisdom to impact the world for me. And he honored that prayer. The last one, back in 1 John chapter 3, verse 21 through 23, John says this, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask. Because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. You see how they're correlated there? And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded. So if you are at a spot in your life where you are not asking, I want to challenge you this morning to start asking based on just these small examples in Scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus' words, Jeremiah's words, old prophets, apostles where they are telling us, setting an example of the necessity of us asking. James 4, 2, you have not because you ask not. So in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person here who's struggling with this, that in this moment, you let this go. That you believe the truth, that you are worthy of asking that you are a child of the one true king, that you are a prince or a princess in the kingdom, that you are honored and loved by God. And through Jesus' name, ask and see what begins to happen in your life. And now to the second category. Those who ask, those of us who ask with ulterior motives. And to begin with, let's just be honest. I... I would ask that question and say, who here prays that way? And nobody would raise their hand. And internally we would reflect and say, well, that's not me. I'm not praying just so that my agenda is made, my name and my renown is made known. Why is it that we pray? Let me ask the question a little bit differently. Where's your heart? Because ultimately this is a heart issue. What we're talking about is a heart issue. And I'm going to show you two examples in Scripture of where we can... For example, come to church every single week, lead a Bible study, lead a small group, pray on a regular basis, do these things, but our heart is not where it's supposed to be, and there's a struggle there. Now, this next section that I want to look at is a long section, but I want you to turn here. This is where you opened your Bibles up, James chapter 3, start with verse 13, and I'm going to read all the way through chapter 4, verse 12, so this is a little bit lengthy, but I want you to hear the essence of what the heartbeat is, because this is a heart issue. This is a heart issue. So here's what I want you to do. In your imagination, I want you to imagine that you have eyes to see your spiritual heart. And I want you to look in the mirror 
of your spiritual heart and see what it is that you see. When you look at your heart from a spiritual perspective, are you viewing it as something that's passionately pursuing Christ or as something that's passionately pursuing the things of this world? That is seeking more of the Holy Spirit of God or more of what something else has to offer in this world? Put on this lens as we read this. Chapter 3, verse 13 of James. Who is wise and understanding among you? That's a question right there. Who is wise and understanding among you? Do you feel like you're wise and understanding among our group? If you do, think through this. Let him or her show it by his good life, by deeds done in the, in the humility that comes through wisdom. Now that's an awesome verse right there, and we could camp right there all day long. Out of the heartbeat of our life. What is it that we're doing? We're, we're serving others. We're using our wisdom and understanding. But we're doing it out of humility. That comes from the wisdom. What wisdom are we talking about? The Holy Spirit of God wisdom. The wisdom for Ephesians chapter 1. Praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That wisdom right here. But, verse 14, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart. Now honestly, you're the only one that knows that. I know that about myself. I can't answer that about anyone else that's here. My children, my wife, my family, no one. I can't answer that for you. You have to reflect and open that, that spiritual mirror up and look at that mirror and see what it is. Are you dealing with envy of those in our congregation, the Christ followers? Is envy something that you deal with? Selfish ambition so that my name and my renown become elevated. So that people know me. So people come to me for questions and answers. So that I'm looked at as the person of authority. That's the warning right here that he's talking about. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom as it was does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. And some, uh, some of the translations would say demonic right here. Of the devil, same thing. Think about it. The wisdom that comes from this earth is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. Where is it that we gather our wisdom? Just because you're wise does not mean you're wise in the ways of God. There is earthly wisdom that leads us to despair. There is earthly wisdom that tears us apart, that tears families apart. There's earthly wisdom that does not point to God. And he's warning us of that. Envy. Selfish ambitions, all of these things, if that's what's going on in my heart that nobody else can see, but only me, don't be boasted about it, don't be leading, because there's a problem here. It's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's of the devil. Whoa, wait a minute, of the devil? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Of the devil? I mean, that's bad. Okay, I know I'm supposed to put God first, but you're telling me selfish ambitions of the devil? No, I'm not telling you that. James told us that 2,000 years ago. It's demonic. If it's not of God, it's demonic. Oh, my word. He who has ears, let him hear, right? For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, oh, let's pay attention to this, is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. 
You do not have because you do not ask. Wow. So that's the context of what it's written. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Wow. It's all about a heartbeat. You see, it's a heart issue. It's the purity of the heart. When we cry out and say, God, I want more. God, I want more. God, I want more. Is it for me or is it for him? Do I want more so I can impact the world for him? Or is it, do I want more so I can get a little bit more of this and a little bit more of that? You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God? Or do you think the scripture says without reason that the spirit he calls to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. There's that humility again. That's tied in with the wisdom and understanding. It's for, it's if you, the, the basis is humility. Verse 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands. He's not talking about going to the bathroom and washing your hands. He's talking about pure hands. Wash them. Clean them. God, give me pure hands. Give me clean hands. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded, grieve, mourn well. Do whatever you've got to do. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom in order to humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. We have to humiliate ourselves because pride, selfish ambitions, they put us on pedestals. And it makes us think that we're better than those that are around us. It makes us think that we're something that we're not. And God wants to tear that down. I've had many a conversation with my wife. And, and, and we'll have a conversation. It's like, don't put me on a pedestal. Don't look at me as some spiritually, you know, something more spiritual than you. Same spirit that lives in me lives in you. And you know what happens when you put people on pedestal? What usually happens to them? They fall. I said, don't put me on a pedestal. It caused me to fall. No, ma'am. Don't do that. Same Spirit of God dwells in me, dwells in you. Same Holy Spirit power that dwells in me, dwells in you. Same Jesus that died on the cross, died for me, died for you. In humility, we remove these selfish ambitions, these things of the flesh. We crucify them at the cross and we ask for clean hands and a pure heart. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you. Who are you to judge your neighbor? So see, it's a heart issue. Example after example after example of things we should be asking, and God wants us to ask Guys, I don't want to go to heaven one day and stand before my creator and him tell me, I'm glad you're here, but there are so many more things I wanted to give you, but you just never asked me for them. How sad would that be? To know that there's this warehouse of blessings in heaven that God says, all I want you to do is ask, seek, knock. I want to give them to you, but I love you so much. You're not asking me. I'm not 
What do you want me to do? So flip back just a few pages to, to the left to 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter three. Verses one through nine. But mark this, there are terrible times in the last days. I think everybody would be would agree um, that there are terrible times. There is debate whether or not we're in the last days, but we've been in the last days for 2,000 years if you look at it from that perspective. So we're definitely in the last days. We just don't know when Jesus is coming back. But mark this, there are terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janus and John Brees opposed Moses... So also these men oppose the truth, men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because in the case of these men, their folly will become clear to everyone. Now, I don't have time to really jump into this whole thing. Again, this is another section that could preach all in and of, of itself. But I will focus on two verses right here. First of all, verse 5. Look at verse 5 again. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Guys, there is a form of godliness within our own congregation that is not of God. It's a form of godliness, but it's denying the power of the Holy Spirit of God, the truth of the Trinity. We can come to church all day long. We can do church stuff, small group stuff, all these things. And put on a front and a show for everybody. You ever put on a front? You ever put on a show? You know things are really stirring and it's bad on the inside, but you don't want to say it, so you put on the smiley face and make sure everything's good? Let me tell you, staff families do a real good job of that. Because <laughs> you know, everybody looks at us and, and says our lives are perfect. Everything, you know, that's the happiest family around. Let me tell you, the same, the same things that are affecting your family affect our families. There's no difference between staff families and non-staff families. We have the same struggles, the same problems, the same issues that you have. There is no difference. We're the same. And we can put on a show. How much of our Christian life is putting on a show for those that are around us? Maybe we lack resurrection power in our life because we're living a life of show. Possibly. A form of godliness, but denying its power? We can play Christianity all day long. I hope that's not where any of us are. Playing Christianity. And look at verse 7. Always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. What is it that we're learning? Always learning. Look what he's talking. He's talking, he's talking to Timothy, who's leading a church. He says there's people in the church who are always learning but they're never grasping the truth of what it is. Now, I think it's the difference between knowledge and knowledge. 
Teenagers have heard this umpteen times now. I might get one of them to come up here and demonstrate it for you. Knowledge and knowledge. What's the difference between knowledge and knowledge? So our culture, you've heard this before, our culture is a logic-based culture. It's been based out of the Greek culture 3,000 years ago. Greeks influenced the Romans, Romans influenced the world, and here it is today, 2019, and we view almost everything that we interpret in life as viewed through a logic-based perspective. So logic is here, right? It's in our mind. And so when we read scriptures like, be still and know that I am God, we say, all right, I need to sit, I need to be still, and I need to know that God is who he says he is. Be still and know I'm God. You are God. Yes, you are. I can quote scripture. Yeah, you're God. You're God. But that's not what the Bible says. Because the Bible was not written from a logic-based perspective. It's written by Hebrews. And in the Hebrew faith, the Jewish faith, Old Testament and New Testament, that the language it was written in, it was written by Jewish people. And these Jewish people have an experiential-based perspective of writing. It's not logic-based, it's experiential-based. And that's the difference between knowing and knowing. Be still and know that I am God is not what the Bible says. It says be still and know that I am God. It's not the same thing, is it? And I'm afraid that there's a lot of people that know God here that don't know Him here. The good news is, it's impossible to know God here and not know Him here. Because I start to see and understand through the lens of God, through the lens of the purity of Scripture itself. The Scripture points to the integrity of who God is. Wow, I'm almost out of time. i got a whole other section to go. All right, we're going to jump. We're going we're gonna to just go 90 to nothing. You ready? The microman, here it comes. Okay. For those who ask focused on God's agenda, what is it that we should be asking? And again, it's the simplicity of the ask. You can ask in-depth, detailed ask of God. For me, it's very simple. Right now in my life is, God, I want more. God, I want more. God, I want more. The truths that are in Scripture, I want it. The things in the Old Testament, New Testament that you did, I want it. If you said that we can accomplish this, I want it. Sign me up open-ended yes on the table, I want it. And that's the essence of it. And so we look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, 17 through 21, let me read this to you. I keep asking the God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that He may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order to know the hope that which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His people, and His incomparably great power to us who believe. That power, that power, the Holy Spirit power that dwells within you, the same Holy Spirit power that's in me, that's in you, that power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead, seated Him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Let me sum that up. Our prayer life, Paul gave us an example in this particular one. Praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation for what purpose? To have full knowledge, to know God more, to know God more, to know Him more. Not to know Him more, to know Him more. Spirit of revelation, spirit of wisdom to know God more. I pray that God would open the eyes of my heart so that I might see Him, understand Him, comprehend His ways. That's the sincerity of the prayer. The prayer 
God, purify me. Remove whatever is in me that is not of you. Fill that vacant space with you, Holy Spirit of God, with your loving, with your teaching, with your power. I want more of you, God. And it's okay to say, I want more. You don't even know what I'm asking for. I just want more. Because he honors the sincerity of a prayer. God, purify me. Cleanse me. Make me whole. I want to impact the world for you. I want to change the world for you. I want to change my family for you. But you know, ultimately, it's not about doing things for the rest of the world as it is for who, grasping who God's created me to be. Walking into the destiny of who God's created me to be. God has a purpose and a plan for every single one of you. Every single one of you. In the Old Testament where it says, I, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to harm, not to harm you. Give you hope in the future. That wasn't just something for 2,000, 3,000 years ago. <coughs> that's something that's, that, that's, that's viable for today. It's not something that's missed in Scripture. That's truth over every single one of your lives. Walk into the fullness of who you were created to be. Walk into the fullness of who you've been created to be. It's the intentionality behind it. You say, sign me up, God. Sign me up. I want it. I want more. I want more. I want more. We're going to wrap this up very, very quickly. I've got two more scriptures I want to look at. James chapter 1. If you could flip there real quick, do that. If not, just write it down and go back and look at it. And, and this is... So you saw Ephesians chapter 1, Paul's praying for the spirit of wisdom, right? There's this tie into wisdom. We saw that in several of the scriptures listed earlier. Here we see it again in James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, <clears throat> pause, raise hand. Anybody going to admit, I need wisdom? <coughs> Sorry, that's why I brought my water. <laughs> if any of you lacks wisdom... What should you do? You should ask God <coughs> who gives generously to all without finding fault. If you lacks wisdom, <coughs> you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe. And not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that he does. It's a purity of the heart. What is it that you're asking? Are you asking it with belief, expectation, anticipation of more from God? Don't doubt. Don't doubt the truth of Scripture. Don't doubt what God has spoken over you. Don't doubt that. Walk into the fullness of who you are. When the evil one lies to you and says you're not worthy, when the evil one lies to you and says this is what you've done in the past, you can't be forgiven, when the evil one lies to you and says who are you, you're nobody in the eyes of this world, nobody else loves you, nobody else appreciates you, nobody else knows you, you can look at him eyeball to eyeball and say that's a lie from hell itself. That is not truth. I am adored. I am loved. I am crowned. I am adopted into the kingship. I am the king. I am the prince or princess of the king of kings and the lord of lords. That's the destiny of who I am. I will today walk into the fullness of who you've created me to be. But do you really want to put an open-ended yes on the table? And I think that's really the struggle for the majority of us. All this sounds good, but am I really willing to put an open-ended yes on the table? God, yes, period. No question mark, no dot, dot, not, no parentheses, no nothing. My open-ended yes, because I think we live a life, unintentionally, we don't even know where we're doing it, where we live a life of my yes is on the table up to this point. And that's as far as I'm going to go with you, God. <coughs> and it sounds, it sounds 
spiritual because right now I'm living right here and that yes is really, really far away. But you know something? God honors that. God, I don't believe in my heart that I have an open-ended yes on the table. Would you change my heart? Oh, oh that's a great prayer. God, I really don't want more. Would you change my heart and make me want more? Oh, that's a great prayer. God loves the authenticity of our prayers. He's not scared of them. He can handle them. He can handle it. God, I don't even want more. But you're the God of the universe and you can break my heart, so I'll give you permission to do that because I want more. I don't want it, but I want it. You know what I mean? The last one. The last one is a repeat from the very first section. Paul talking in Colossians. You see how similar this is to Ephesians chapter 1. This is Colossians 1, 9 and 10. And again, Paul praying. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And he says, we continually ask. I'm going to challenge you guys. Don't stop asking. Maybe we need to stop asking for things and just ask to be purified. Maybe that's where we need to start. Stop asking for gifts and stop asking for wonders and stop asking for all of these different things <coughs> until I get to a point in my heart and my life where I am purified and I, I simply just want more of God, period. It's not about signs and wonders. It's not about miracles. Those are great and wonderful things that God does, but it's not about that. It's about Jesus and being whole, Jesus and being loved, Jesus and being adored, Jesus and walking in the fullness of who he's created me to be. But I continually pray, he says, we continually ask God to fill you with what? Knowledge of his will. Through all the wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit of God gives us. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Could that be a sentence that sums up your life? That the sentence, the the statement of your life could be said as, God, I simply want to bear fruit in every good work and grow in the knowledge of you. See, we don't have to recreate the will and think of all these cool words, cool prayers. So many of them have already been listed in Scripture. And we just need to start praying these over our hearts. <coughs> and over our lives. So where are you at today? What do you want? Do you want more? Or are you satisfied with where you're at? The question I ask teenagers every single week <coughs> as we get ready to conclude is, do you want more? And so that's the question I leave you with today. <clears throat> do you want more? And if you do, start asking. Don't know where to start? Start right there. I don't know where to start, God. God, He loves simplistic prayers. He loves it when our hearts just cry out and say, I don't have it all together. I don't have it figured out. I don't want to be on a pedestal. I just want you. 
I want my family to know you. I want my friends to know you. I want my life to reflect you. Bear good fruit. Grow in knowledge of you. God, I just want more. I struggle sometimes, God, with with understanding you and why things happen and why this happened and why that happened. And I know my my questions aren't too big for you, but sometimes, God, I I struggle asking big questions because I think it's going to offend you or I think it's going to make you mad or I think you're not listening. God, the only way I know how, I just, I just ask for more. I don't want to be ruled by fear anymore. I don't want to be ruled by this anger anymore, this frustration, this unforgiveness. God, I don't want this weight that's so heavy on my shoulders, God. <clears throat> you know, God, I hear them talk about it at church all the time, about freedom. See some friends that say they're free. And your Bible even talks about it. It says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God, I don't feel free. I feel weighted down. I feel useless. I feel unworthy. I feel used and abused. I feel like you could never use me. you know something, God? I don't want this feeling anymore. I don't want it anymore. I don't know how to experience freedom, God. I don't know. I know I want it. I'm tired of living up to everybody else's expectations. I'm tired of looking in the mirror and hating the person I'm looking at. God, I want to see myself as that prince, that princess. Thank you for listening.